Hey, hey, everybody. If you're listening to this, you are listening to the first free hour of this episode of The Shift with Doug McKenty. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing to the show in order to access the full feature-length versions of the podcast, as well as have access to the Members Forum, where we discuss potential topics and interviews and dive deep into the overall concept of The Shift. For only six bucks a month, not only do you get the full-length episodes, but also an opportunity to co-create with me, your host, Doug McKenty, the future of the show. Go to www.theshiftnow.com or patreon.com backslash the shift and sign up today in order to help make the shift possible. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKenty. This episode was recorded on August 31st, 2021. Today's program features alternative historian and crop circle expert Freddie Silva. Freddie's first book, Secrets in the Fields, The Science and Mysticism of Crop Circles, became an international bestseller after revealing the truth behind the inexplicable phenomenon of the appearance of strange designs imprinted in crop fields around the world. After first being introduced to the existence of these bizarre events in the late 1980s, Freddie felt compelled to delve further into the creation of, and the meaning behind, these interesting marvels. He eventually moved to southern England, where crop circles are most often discovered, and spent the next ten years of his life studying the phenomenon firsthand, attempting to answer the question of how they were made, and discovering the secret messages often hidden within the cryptic designs. While many have been led to believe that these impressions in the fields are mere hoaxes perpetrated by vandals in the middle of the night, Freddy describes in meticulous detail how evidence from within the circles themselves portrays a different story. The designs seem to appear within seconds and are often accompanied by glowing balls or beams of light. The stalks are bent perfectly inches above the ground in a way that actually defies modern science as no permanent damage is done. Careful measurements indicate a level of mathematical perfection simply impossible to achieve by hoaxers working under cover of darkness within such short time spans, as well as the presence of electromagnetic and microwave radiation indicating some other technology at work. Finally, the messages encrypted within the designs themselves express a level of mathematical and technological understanding that would render any potential vandal a scientific genius. Clearly, the perpetrators of these creations express a level of sophistication that transcends the comprehension of all but the most educated members of the human race. Some information presented within the crop circles appears to eclipse the collective work publicly available to the entirety of our species concerning the advanced mathematical and scientific concepts expressed. Stay tuned for this conversation that covers these anomalies and dives deep into Freddie's theories about how these crop circles are created, who created them, and why. We will also go into detail about messages hidden within these designs and what we can learn from a thorough analysis concerning the choices we make in these tumultuous times designed to move humanity forward towards a better future for all. Find out more about Secrets in the Fields, as well as discover the full spectrum of Freddie Silva's work at www.invisibletemple.com. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast throughout your social media networks. 
Due to platform censorship, we rely on listeners like you to distribute this information. Find everything produced by Doug McKenty Studios, including the Psychology of Lockdown series and the facts and the fiction. Sign up for the newsletter or subscribe for feature-length episodes of The Shift at www.theshiftnow.com. I want to thank Freddie Silva for agreeing to this interview, and thank you for helping to make The Shift. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 92nd episode of The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. I'm joined today by author Freddie Silva. Uh, I'm really excited about having this conversation today because I have been thinking about crop circles for quite some time, and uh, Freddie is the man. I've just checked out his book, Secrets in the Fields. This was uh, your second book, I think, Freddie? First. Your first one. Okay. And uh, now he's uh, he's done a lot of other research, a lot of research. His uh, most recent book just came out about um, pre-flood civilization. So uh, I'll be looking forward to checking that one out as well. But I wanted to have this conversation about prop, crop circles because it's been on my mind for so long and I haven't been uh, had a chance to cover it on the podcast. So thanks, Freddie, for coming on the show. Do you want to let oh, people... Pleasure. You want to let people know uh, a little bit about your history and why you got interested in crop circles in the first place? Oh, I could bore them. Um, <laughs> basically, I was actually living in Chicago at the time, and uh, I was watching something on television, uh, sound turned off, and it must have been a news item because you saw this massive combine harvester going through a field with a massive symbol on the field, and I knew exactly what it was when I first saw it. Uh, the first time I came across this, this was back in 1990. One, I think. And um, I just knew exactly what it was. I just saw the rest of my life, my professional life kind of went downhill from there. And it gave me, paradoxically, a chance to go back to Britain because I was living living in America at the time. It gave me a chance to go back to Britain in between jobs and actually start researching this from scratch and uh, getting in touch with people who had already been, you know, doing it for quite some time and they were pretty good at it too. Uh, uh-huh. So I had uh, the company of some very famous people and uh, they kind of showed me the rope. So I kind of came in their sort of shadow, so to speak, and uh, took on and took forward what they had already started. So it was a wonderful privilege. And uh, before I knew it, uh, I didn't want to write a book on it. I got a, kind of got pushed into it and it becomes an international bestseller. Who So who would have known? So I guess the gods had uh, had me marked for other ideas rather than the commercial world. <laughs> it looks that way. Well, uh, I'm definitely glad that they did because the book was highly informative. Will you tell people a little bit of just about the history of crop circles? I know they've been going on for quite some time, but then it seemed like it picked up, uh, especially in England in the late 70s and 80s and, and continued into the early 2000s from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, historical accounts that go back, I mean, verifiable accounts that go back into the 18th century and especially the 19th century. And yes, they seem to be mostly bored in England and south of England. And there are eyewitnesses uh, that reported these things happening in less than 15 seconds. Sometimes they're accompanied by beams of light. And we're talking about post um, postal office workers, um, the police, farmers, you know, people who don't really care much for a supernatural phenomenon. So when you actually read their accounts, they're very credible. Uh, and the definition and the description that they gave is pretty much right on to the 80 eyewitnesses that we've were able to secure since then in the modern era. And then it kind of went quiet. It kind of, there were a few reports in the 20s, the 30s. Uh, it went kind of quiet. And then suddenly in the 70s, it came back up again. Uh, again, mostly around Avebury, around Silbury Hill in the south of England, which is one of the highest concentrations of sacred sites anywhere in the world. 
And then from then on, uh, once people started taking uh, an interest in it, it's almost like the phenomenon reacted to it. They began to feed us the information. And until we learned the lesson for each season, it would not progress. So and looking at this in hindsight, it was almost very uh, much directed in that manner. Uh, and since then, we learned that the second highest concentration was in the Canadian prairie. Uh, in Saskatchewan and Alberta. Mm. And there is a, a geological relationship between these two areas. You know, Southern Britain has the world's deepest chalk aquifer, where we, whereas we have the deepest chalk aquifer in the Canadian prairie. So there was a relationship going on here. And then, you know, it grew. Uh, by 1991, everybody was into this. Even the quality press was into this. And because there was, it, it was almost becoming a religion, of course, you knew it couldn't last very long. Uh, and yeah. that's when the concept of Doug and Dave gets put forward into the media, uh, which the story gets traced to uh, MI6 in Britain, the Secret Service, who essentially created a fictitious press agency hmm. and put up these two lunatics. I mean, they, they, they really are crazy, these two guys and came up with these ridiculous idea that they've made all the crop circles in the world, sometimes free in the same evening in different countries. So the story was absurd right from the beginning, if you knew the history, which most of the public, of course, didn't. And then after that, the hoaxing starts getting into the, uh, the perspective. And it's only really after 2003 that the hoaxing really starts taking off and really mudding the waters. But from that, you know, from those 20 years, uh, we were getting a lot of great information, mostly unadulted by all the fakery. And that's why I like that era more than anything else. And that's why I haven't really published a book to, uh, to back up the best as much as I'd like to, because there's nothing new to say, really new to talk about. Uh, and I don't want to pollute the information for that reason. I felt that the information was so good to begin with, we don't need any more. This is though we got the information. Now we have to just play with it and not worry about what's coming next year. Uh, I think as humans, we like a performance. Uh, the crop circles are not here to perform. They're here to fulfill a, a very important function. So it's not a big circus act. It's actually a very valid piece of information. Interesting. So you've got 80 eyewitnesses right now or, or throughout that period that you were studying the crop circles that had actually literally witnessed the, the creation of the crop circle themselves? Between 1860 and pretty much, I think the last eyewitness uh, that I can remember was in the early 1990s. Uh, and they all okay. talk about the same thing. And the thing that links them all together is the fact that none of these reports were ever published, not because we we're trying to hold anything back. It was just because... We didn't want to start making up stories, and it kept the uh, research very pure. Mm -hmm. And we could see that there was a certain trait for all of these accounts. They always appeared in 15 seconds, regardless of the size, whether it was a simple circle or whether it was an entire field covered with circles. There was always a hum or a kind of high-pitched sound uh, accompanied sometimes by nausea, uh, which is usually the involvement of low uh, frequency sound, which acts on your human body. And then there was these beams of light. And there was one farmer that actually went out into the middle of a field checking his crop one day in England. And it was raining, as it usually happens in Britain. And uh, he says, and I remember this account very well, because he describes this thing coming out of the clouds like a tube. And he said, that the, you see the rain bouncing off this tube that was swirling from the clouds, and you could see the crop moving, and it said it took about 15 seconds. It just laid flat like a cookie cutter. And then this tube just went back into clouds, and everything was fine again. And, of course, uh, he went to the pub, talked about 
got laughed out of existence. Uh, and she says, you know, it doesn't matter what I saw. I can't, I can't really make up. I don't care if they laugh at me because I know what I saw and you can't make this up. You know, we tried making this with sticks and, and you know, pillows tied to our feet. We can't replicate this stuff. Yeah. Nothing has been damaged. That's the beauty of it. So, and I like those reports because they come from honest people who make, uh, you know, working for a living, uh, you know, from the crack of dawn until way beyond dusk part of their life. So they don't make up stuff like this. Yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting to get those firsthand accounts. I think the first time that I had heard of the crop circles was actually probably the media blitz around the Doug and Dave hoaxes. And when I talk to people today, that's what's so fascinating about this kind of of propaganda. I talk to people today when I mention crop circles. um, I mean, uh, probably about 10 years ago, I started doing my own research into it. Actually, Uh, I discovered, uh, I think, one of the peer reviewed papers. Uh, that you mentioned in the book about the the, the microwaves that uh, are used, and we'll, we can get into this in a second. But uh, in the in the way the crop formation occurs, um, but uh, and so I thought, well, I mean, there's peer reviewed science about this. Clearly, something yeah. is going on. Besides, as you say, people with pillows tied to their feet and boards smashing <laughs> wheat, you know, corn stalks in fields. Um, but when I mentioned it to a friend of mine, her initial response was like, oh, no, those are all hoaxes, you know, and, and it just harkens yeah. back to that, like that, that media campaign in the 90s that was so prevalent. I think you even mentioned in the book, and it was all over the world. They yeah, really I mean, didn't was, want people to know about this. Yeah, I mean, it's all you have to do is put forward the impression that something is wrong with the story. You create doubt and you divide people immediately. Uh, yeah. It's like the American elections with Trump. It was the same thing. You put in doubt about something. And half the population starts saying, well, this is probably true. And they fight among each other. And then they can divide and conquer. It's classic routine. And they even created their own fictitious press agency in order to send out this information. And in fact, it was the quality media, people like the Times and the Independent, who actually found out that this is a huge fraud. In fact, I remember one line by one report in the Independent that said, you know, I have a better, an easier time believing in little gray uh, aliens than I do believing this stupid story about Doug and Dave. Right. <laughs> uh, this is the quality press, yeah, because the story was ridiculous. And, and then, in fact, when uh, we looked at the stuff that they had made, they made one circle, and we went out there with the media, and it was horrible. It was like the uh, the, mate, the ritual mating between two elephants. It was yeah. Everything was destroyed. The, uh, the uh, crop was flattened. It was uh, totally broken, and the farmers were there, and the Farmers said, yeah, but that's not like the other ones that we've had. The other ones are totally undamaged. They're beautiful. And then the crop keeps growing if you leave it alone. This is broken. It's dead. We've lost money here. This is not the same phenomenon. And they were pretty adamant about it. So, yeah, all it takes is, is this little rotten apple to completely denature the rest of the research. And today we're still fighting over what's real and what isn't. That's the sad part of it. And meanwhile, um, you know, we make no more progress. Right. And it seems like even after that, uh, the mainstream media really stopped covering it. Right. Because prior to that, it was in the news. People were like, what the heck is all of this? You know, because you don't want to be. Yeah. You don't want to be ridiculed. You don't want to be associated with ridicule. So people back off. There's no more investigation. It became uh, pretty much a personal exercise. And people like me, we gave up our marriages, our houses or our income to, you know, really fight for this. And I, I believe in it for, to this very day. And I have looked at hoaxing. I've examined the hoaxes. You've got to put them into the picture as 
well. You can't just deny that it doesn't exist because you need one with which to observe the other. I think it's a very valid point. And there have been people that I have worked with and they've paid the farmer. It's all above board. And they've asked us to see if there's any phenomena that accompanies the work that they do. And in fact, they've actually made contact with, and I'll say this out loud, the consciousness is behind the real phenomenon. And I thought mm. that was actually a very valid lesson because it shows that with the right intent, doing things for the right reason, there is a communication that is established with the source of this. And that's what kind of kept us going, that there is this learning curve as humans to communicate with this intelligent source. Yeah, it's uh, it's really fascinating. And as I got into your book, I mean, I was just uh, more and more blown away at what is actually going on here? I mean, people people don't really necessarily know. I think there's, I mean, there is the speculation. You do conclude the book with uh, with some channeled information that gives us insight into who's potentially doing this. But um, but nonetheless, the circles themselves that are that are actually real. Will you describe for the audience? You know, how are these things? What sets them apart from the hoaxes? How do you suspect that they're created? What do they look like? Oh, that's a that's a long question. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, we can get it started. We can start this conversation. Well, um, um, we start off basically with the with the physical stuff. I mean, people today, if you look on on uh, the, all the the social media, everybody's an armchair expert. Of course, you can't examine this from a picture on uh, Facebook. Mm -hmm. You've got to get out there with your feet and go out there and look at the real thing. And that's what separates the real research from everything else, from, from opinion. And we did this all the time, day in, day out. And the first thing you do, you get there as quickly as you can. We had contacts with the farmers. They trusted us. They would phone us up and say, three in the morning, I got one. And you go out there. There'd be no one there. And uh, you first thing you look at is, are there any signs of human involvement here from the ground? Because it's very wet. It's very clay-like, the ground in England. And you can tell where people have been walking all over. You can see the footprints everywhere. And the first thing you look at is the damage or any kind of soil on top of the crop, which is identified as you know human involvement. Well, when there isn't, you're on to the first step. The second one is look at the base or the plant. So you've got to get down on your, on your belly, on the ground. There's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, washing of clothes that comes with this uh, phenomenon. You get <laughs> on your belly, on the ground, and look at what's happening on the ground. There's a pressure that's been applied to the plant. It's firm, but it's delicate because the plants literally are bent about an inch above the soil at 90 degree angle, and there's no damage. So if you leave them alone, within a week, they begin to grow back into their vertical position. Oh, so wow. nothing is actually damaged. It's a non-destructive environment. The second one is, how is the crop actually laid down? If it's laid down in a perfect circle, it's man-made because people put a stick in the ground, they'll get a piece of string, and they'll go around the circle. Real crop circles are oval, ever so slightly oval. And if they're on the side of a hill, the oval is really quite um, definitive. And uh, it creates a spiral. There is a natural spiral that goes around to give the illusion on the edge of a circle. Now, I've seen people try to imitate this spiral. It's the same spiral that nature uses to create plants, you, me, animals, the golden right. ratio. It's a mathematical progression. I've seen people try to do this, and they can't get it. 
Uh, not even close. Uh, they eventually start doing things in circles like we, we, we humans tend to do. So those are the first two rules. The other one, then you start looking at the actual quality of the plants, what's happened to them. And in the real circles, you'll see that there are there's a charring, a superficial charring on the stems, which uh, makes the plants, the, the, um, the plants have, for those who are not familiar with the way plants work, it's like the uh, knuckles on your finger. If the plant is hit by wind, it will knock itself down. In order to regain its upright posture, it has these nodes which allows itself to regain its upright vertical posture. So in the real ones, what happens is that these nodes have been extended quite severely. Uh, sometimes if they're knocked over by wind, they'll get bloated. Uh, just like if someone hits your hand, your knuckles will become kind of um, sore and they'll kind of expand. But in the real circles, they're actually being elongated and there's a charring around them. So mm -hmm. when you take these plants and send them to a laboratory and you look at them under the microscope, which is where it gets expensive, you'll see that the internal water of the plants has been superheated in a fraction of a second to 1500 degrees Celsius. And it's enough to take the water out of the plants, it turns it into steam, and it creates this heating effect, which creates the charring on the plants. Now that you can't make with boards with pieces of uh, pillows stuck on your feet right. and all that. Right. And then if you're gonna take to the next stage, you uh, take soil samples, you also find that there are chemical alterations to the soil. There are changes to the water, and we've buried water uh, bottles in the actual crop circles, including man-made ones, and send them to laboratory experiments uh, under blind uh, supervision so that the person undertaking the analysis doesn't know uh, where, the, where water comes from. And we found that um, only, only we know the numbers of where they came from. And we find from the real circles that there's a potentizing effect on the water up to 141% above the normal nitrate level in the water. So mm. whatever energy is interfering with the plants, it's also imprinting itself into the water, uh, which, of course, brings us to the point where why the, the crop circles are happening where they are in the world, using the uh, two biggest uh, aquifers in the world to imprint the information, which then goes into the water. So we're all drinking this information. I mean, that's, that's, that's brilliant. I couldn't have designed that better myself right. if you're trying to imprint information onto the earth. Uh, and then you've got other things, a peripheral looking for itself. There are certain sort of mag uh, fragments of uh, magnetic structure in the soil uh, which weren't there before. And we found these also to be caused by the use of infrasound, which is sound below the human hearing range, which is able to create these changes in the soil structure itself. Now, when I published this, of course, the hoaxes came out and said, oh, yes. Uh, it, we actually took uh, little bottles of iron filings and we put this stuff all over the crop circle. Huh. I mean, it sounds as preposterous as you think it is because right. it is preposterous. But they're always putting this stuff after we've published the information. So they're always a, a step behind trying to always debunk what we're doing. But yet we've had this information for over 15 years. It's nothing new, except they didn't know that. So, But then to say, oh, yes, we put this... Uh, we, we deliberately buried this, uh, these magnetic filings in the ground in that circle. Yeah, but this came from 15 years ago, not the one we did yesterday. Um, so this is yeah. how we catch the matter. Uh, so those are just some of the things that we find. And then there are peripheral things like uh, we talk to farmers and they'll say, well, the night before I was riding my horse and my wife was taking dogs for a walk on the adjacent field and they just ran or they barked like crazy. Well, they're picking up the uh, ultrasound, which is the sound above the human hearing range. And that's usually when you know something's going to be in that field. 
And 10 times out of 10, when we get these reports, there will be a circle already in that field in the following day. So it's already forming before you've even seen it. Everything is already huh. in place. The physical design really is the uh, icing on the cake. So the animals are picking this up already. Um, so that's what makes the, the, the research fascinating because we're kind of learning as we go. And then, of course, you've got weird things like the, the gravitational field of the Earth appears to have been affected as well. And we knew this because... Again, the farmers are our best friends. They, they know plants inside out. We don't. We're learning from them. And they said, you know, it's funny. When I go into these uh, ones which are not man-made, you go into these real crop circles, they pull these plants out of the ground. They'll show us the roots are pointing in the wrong direction. And I said, that, that, that's not supposed to happen. Roots are geotropic by nature. They have to follow the center of gravity. So when you have crop circles where the roots are pointing that way, now you've got a problem because you have a complete manipulation of the local gravitational field, uh, which, of course, sends uh, equipment haywire and sometimes destroys camera equipment, destroys your electrical equipment, drains batteries. And we have no end of uh, people who've had these problems with electrical equipment. So it's also a very expensive phenomenon if you want to go out there and research it. Right. <laughs> Well, why don't you get into this a little bit more? What are the different kinds of, when your equipment does work, what are the different kinds of, of electrical phenomena you're picking up? Um, I mean, And I guess, and you're not getting any of these off the hoaxes, right? You go, and also, I mean, maybe you could even start with how, I know you were describing in the book how you, it would just feel differently. I mean, human beings oh, yeah. are feeling differently, sometimes actually feeling a little sick, oftentimes uh, feeling healing properties from these things. Um, but then just also discussing the, the, um, um, the magnetic properties, the electrical properties, the things that you're picking up that you're looking at. And maybe you could, uh, another big question, I guess, but you talk about the <laughs> dowsing. Questions. Yeah, the dowsing that's going on and, and what that's picking up. Uh, on. Yeah, originally we were collecting uh, eyewitness accounts and people who are actually frankly skeptical of crop circles. So when they start talking about anomalies and things that they're feeling, you pay attention because they shouldn't be saying such positive things about something they're skeptical about. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we noticed very quickly was that people would go to these places uh, completely compelled to go there, despite the fact that they were suffering from hay fever and they would walk for an entire hay field in order to get to these things. And they were fine. They were cured of these symptoms forever oh, wow. and still after this very day and that's what got them excited as well and um and and that was the same way i mean the, my first experience i was actually taking to a hoax i didn't know it at the time but testing me and uh, I, I i remember saying i was very disappointed i expected from reading all the accounts i expect to feel different and then we went to another one and i I, I, it's like, it was almost like someone just flattened me to the side of the car. And I said, wow, this is not like that one. Huh. And the guy that I was with said, uh, does this feel a bit different to the other one? And I said, this is nothing like that thing. This is completely different. That's, I don't know what I'm experiencing, but this is unusual. It's almost like I can hear things. And uh, it actually starts to work on your electrical system and your body's electrical system. And after mm -hmm. 10 years of doing this, you develop certain abilities that we all have and we forget about. And this is why the psychics are very important, this phenomenon. But we'll put that to the side for the second. So once we realized that there was interaction going on here with human people, we began to um, develop these mechanical devices where we could actually measure frequency, background frequency. So a little box that shows you, like, for example, in my room right now, if I'm next to my computer, I probably would measure a frequency of 200 hertz. Well, let's say megahertz, uh, because the frequencies are quite high these days. 
uh, because this has been generated by my screen. Now, we'd walk through a field and uh, we'd take notes and there'd be a sort of an undulating effect, like you're going through the, a wave, literally a wave of energy. It goes up and it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. But the closer you get to the real crop circle, the higher the frequency gets. And the moment you cross the perimeter, it goes through the roof by over 100 megahertz in one second. Wow. Literally, as you cross the perimeter, the needle just goes like this. And then it goes up and it goes down, it goes up, but it consistently keeps going further and further uh, further up until you get to the center. And then, you've, and this is where we thought we know everything, and of course we don't. We thought well, this is going to hit the roof, it's going to blow off uh, the whole thing. There is suddenly a complete drop of the scale within 10 feet of the physical center of the crop circle. Literally, it's a null point, like you're inside this invisible vortex where you look up at the sky and you think you're being looked down through the barrel of a microscope. The frequencies just drop off the chart immediately. That was weird. We thought it would be the complete opposite. So it's almost like you're inside this big donut uh, in, mm. in a way. Uh, and that was one of the other things that we noticed about the real circles, that they have this lasting signature footprint, uh, which can actually be detected five years after the physical shape has been removed. So oh, wow. at the end of the season, the farmer will obviously harvest the field. In the winter, there won't be any signs. Now, you can go into the middle of the field and kind of figure, you kind of know kind of where it was, but not exactly. So you take a pair of dowsing rods, if you're a good dowser, and you can actually find and locate and mark on the ground the actual pattern that was there before, and it'll be absolutely perfect if you know what you're doing. And you can sense this for five years later. Now, again, I published this information in the book, and sure enough, the following year, the hoaxers would try and put their creations on top of where the original circles were in order to fool the researchers. Oh, wow. That's part of the purpose. So I'd go in, and I'd, uh, and again, you've got to keep an open mind, knowing that you, you, you have to learn as you go along. You don't know everything. I mean, I certainly don't know everything, and I hope I don't because it keeps me on my toes. And um, I'd go in and I'd feel something because by now you don't need the equipment. You can sense this stuff. Your body's become so sensitive to its environment. You can feel things and you can see things. I've known people who are a major researcher in this field who are ex-NASA engineers who became extraordinary healers because of their association with the crop circle world, because of the innate energy that they have. And it was just literally brought to the surface because of the interaction with hmm. these energies. This is why I'm saying it's such an important phenomenon for everybody concerned. And so I would walk in, I feel something, but I go, but the physical description of what I'm seeing here, this is man-made. So why my feet? Oh, I know why. Right? Because the crop circle that was here last year, which is real, it's overlapped by the man-made one. So all we had to go uh, was to go to the other part of the field of the man-made design. There's nothing there because they'd missed it. They didn't know exactly where it was. You need to have right. a good dowser to figure out where the entire energy field was. So again, we're learning as we go along. And I thought they're getting very clever. So there is a, a, a kind of a, a, a back door to doing uh, research and publishing it because you know your enemies are going to use it against mm. you at some point. And someone actually said, you know, the moment I publish this information, the hoaxing is going to get a lot better. And it did, actually, the following year. Hmm. So, again, uh, all of these things are highly documented, not just by me, but by dozens of people who you know, taken it upon themselves to make this part of their life. And so you've mentioned uh, that governments basically may be involved in the hoaxing. What other, um, like, 
you also mentioned in the book, for example, that there were military, clearly the military understands that this is going on. They're looking into it. Um, to what extent do you think that that for the government military force, the military industrial complex are behind these hoaxes doing it? Uh, and, and what would the purpose for them to do this, to try to cover this up? Well, the original one was pretty obvious. It was a matter of national security. Uh, they know that UFOs exist. I'm not saying the UFOs are making crop circles because there's no evidence to back that up. There's an association between the two, but there's no physical link. So we have to sit there and watch this page. But right. they took an interest just like we did. They were curious because so many of the crop circles were appearing next to or beside military land. So in the minutes of parliament in Britain, it was actually brought up by Margaret Thatcher's cabinet that we should uh, set as a budget aside to keep the crop circles under surveillance. So it's right there in black and white. It's available with the Freedom of Information Act. Mm -hmm. And um, so they, they used to join us for crop circles, yeah, a nice beer and a meal on the side of a hill waiting for something to happen next to military people. It was absolutely oh. perfect. And they're ever so nice, by the way. Right. They really are very nice people. I know quite a few of them, and they're good pranksters. So it yeah. wasn't a sense of, like, we're going to shoot you, have big guns. No, actually, it was a, bit, a real camaraderie between people because they were curious too. Sure. Uh, but once they realized that they couldn't keep it under control and it was becoming a bit of a religion, well, the control element comes in because now government feels like, well, we've got to explain this and we can't. We can't talk about little green men because we'd be out of a job in government because governments don't talk about little green men. So right. it was a matter of prestige for them. And this is why they had to invent this group within MI6 in order to foster Doug and Dave as the makers of all the crop circles. And after that, they would hire people from our college uh, to, to create oh, – and I'm not going to uh, mention their name on air because I don't want to give them any more publicity than they already have – a specific group of very unpleasant people who I know very well, and uh -huh. they know me, um, who basically were hired from art school in order to go and propagate all the hoaxes, and for which they've been paid a lot of money, by the way. And wow. since then, they've also been used in advertising. Uh, and from that, it was really a matter of the fact that, you know, they couldn't keep the phenomenon under control. They couldn't just put a sign up in the field and say, don't make real crop circles in this field. And, of course, the moment the hoaxing stops, the real uh, phenomenon also reveals itself. So they had a bit of a problem. They had to contaminate the information with hoaxing in order to throw everybody off the scent. So it became a matter of sort of control, and it's remained so to this very day. Uh, there's nothing nefarious about it uh, until, I, uh, and this is about 2001, I believe, uh, when we had the foot and mouth disease in Britain where not many people were allowed into the fields. And coincidentally, there were not many crop circles either, only a few real ones. Which some designs which, again, they weren't fitting in the boxes. And I remember walking out there with the uh, editor of Nexus magazine in England, and he said, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, we look at this design and we're getting readings off the scale, but it doesn't fit the real phenomenon and it doesn't fit the man-made phenomenon. It's almost like a half and half. And we sat there thinking about this and we looked at the plants and said, you know, it's funny how the plants have withered and died and all the frequencies that we measured in the morning have now gone within hours. And we finally realized only a microwave can do that. Now, hmm. a microwave is a very disruptive. Now that's not happening in the real crop circles because the, the plants are fine. People are actually being healed by these things. And unless you overexpose yourself to a huge degree to these energies, uh, you will be okay. Otherwise, you're actually going to feel sick. 
And people started getting sick inside the, these three particular designs, which didn't fit the bill. And we finally realized, well, wait a minute, there's nothing. We do have the technology to actually send a beam of microwave from a satellite into a field, in a, into a design that has been made by people. That's why we were getting these very slow, I want to say about five in 2001, these anomalous circles, which seem good. They're not good enough to be a real, they certainly are man-made because all the features are there, but they have energy that's there and suddenly it isn't. And suddenly we realized, yes, something has been microwaved to again throw the scientific community off the scent because it was confusing the whole information. That's the only time when I saw anything really nefarious happening. And yes, uh, when you go into a field that's got microwave energy, you are going to feel sick, and it happened to me as well. You know, and 48 hours later, you're fine. You just get dehydrated a lot, drink a lot of water, and you're fine. But the funny thing is, the plants themselves also withered and died. And that's a sure sign that they'd been microwaved, of course. Interesting, yeah. So I want to get into um, the actual... um, the uh the symbols themselves within the crop circles but um just to finish off uh, this connection with electricity can you talk about the placement of the crop circles um you spent a lot of time in the book talking about how they're along ley lines and how they're close to other sacred sites and historical uh megalithic sites um so you just want to talk about their connection to the this sort of electromagnetic earth grid that you discuss in the book yeah, it was an early observation by actually a lot of wisdom keepers from the indigenous uh, uh, traditions. And they said, it's funny that wherever the crop circles appear on our land, which included Australia, by the way, and by now you also have 28 countries that are coming on board. So it becomes a, a worldwide phenomenon. Mm-hmm. They said they always appear beside ancient sacred sites or where they used to be sacred sites in the case of the Canadian prairie, because the mounds are now being taken down because of farming. And we made a note of this. We didn't make the connection first until the people who had been studying sacred sites and telluric currents, uh, which are the Earth's naturally occurring electromagnetic lines of energy, uh, not ley lines. There's a very different things. There's a, there's a okay. geometric alignments. The two it. are very different things. Thanks. Uh, I, I don't know how they got confused, but it's very, it, it requires a lot of explaining. Um, so the telluric currents are, are what link the sacred sites to each other. Wherever you find a sacred site, like a pyramid, a stonehenge, and so forth, they are at the junction of these intercrossing energy lines, which are naturally occurring all around the earth. In fact, I'm sitting on one right now in my apartment, believe it or not, which is ironically the only place I can get my work done is right on it. So I'm feeding off this. It's there's a relationship here, you see. And this is why they built temples on these locations, because it does something to your sense of awareness. It stimulates your consciousness. It enables you to leave this physical world for a little bit, go off into the other world, come back, and you've got shamanic information. That's why the indigenous people uh, understand this, because they use the same energy for the same reasons. And that's when we began to realize, perhaps we should look at the exact location of the placement of the circles and see if we can also figure out and also uh, work out if they're also marking the same territory. And it turns out, yes, they are. And that was another thing that differentiated the hoaxes from the real thing. The hoaxes are just willy-nilly. They, they, they just put them wherever they, they, they can't be seen working in the middle of a field, which is very sensible because you don't want to go to jail. Um, for the real crop circles, they always appear, again, at the junction of the uh, Earth's telluric currents. And the width for the telluric current at the time that the crop circle made defines the diameter of the shape of the design itself. 
So there's a relationship here. There's a, it's a manipulation of the local, of the natural organism of the earth. But here's something else that I found. Uh, in the winter, when you've got nothing better to do, and of course, you can walk the fields and you're not damaging anything, uh, the farmers allow you to walk and take measurements and do everything. And then I suddenly realized, well, what would happen if these things, which we know have their own unique electromagnetic signature, if they are appearing as strategic points on the Earth's acupuncture system, might they be feeding the information to the local sacred sites? And as coincidence had it, I had already been mapping all the sites and their energy imprint in the south of England just before the crop circles appeared beside them the following season. It's as though someone was really manipulating me to be at the right place at the right time to write the right thing so I could then talk about it. Uh, I feel very used in this respect in a good way. <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> and, there, and there's a bit of humor to this as well, by the way. Uh, and I found out, yes, actually, well, the, the signature that actually appears in the crop circle is transferred and imprinted into the local sacred sites. And I began to notice that since the crop circles began to appear in the 80s and the 90s, especially in Britain, uh, where I was based, people suddenly felt the need to attend the sacred sites much more and more. And not because there was a big uh, tourism advertising campaign to draw them there. They felt compelled to go to the sacred sites as though something had opened up. And now, you know, 20 years later, after I've done research into sacred spaces around the world, I've also found out that, yes, there is a connection here historically because the sites around the world were shut down over 3,000 years ago from being misused and abused mm -hmm. because these things are living organisms they are there to amplify the human being not to be used for the control of whole populations so it's funny that the crop circles appear at the time when people feel compelled to go to the sacred sites which were built to empower people in the first place so there is a consciousness relationship going on here not just in terms of energy but into the awakening of humanity itself which is why it's so important and it, uh, to research this properly and it goes back into your earlier question is there a conspiracy going on here? Partly, yes, there is, because I do feel that people in certain points of power, because let's let's not give them too much credit. People, anybody who enters government, uh, you're going to have a pretty low threshold to enter government in terms of this stuff. It doesn't take a genius to work with government. There are certain exceptions which are wonderful. Uh, Angela Merkel, for example, in Germany is a wonderful example of a great leader, in my opinion. Um, but for, for the most part, they're all idiots. They have no idea what they're doing. Uh, so, But they realize, they read the stuff that we print, and they realize there's a connection. And if there isn't a working of society going on, they don't. a lot of these people don't want you to be aware of what's going on. They, want, uh, they need to be kept under the thumb, so to speak. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, by any means, but I see that there's a direct relationship in trying to keep the crop circle phenomenon down into the area of hoaxing in order to keep people from attending these places so that they can be much more aware of the bigger picture, because that's something that politicians don't want people to do, generally speaking. So there is a bit of a conspiracy behind that. You can, can you prove it? Not really, uh, like most conspiracies, but there is a hint of control going on, which is why I still promote this subject to this very day. Yeah. You are listening to this. You are listening to the first free hour of The Shift with Doug McKinty. For access to the full feature-length versions of the podcast, go to www.theshiftnow.com and subscribe for the audio version for just $6 a month. Access the full-length episodes in video form through rockfin.com by subscribing at the Shift with Doug McKinty landing page. For $9.99 a month, you gain access not only to The Shift, but also all other premium content material hosted on the platform. 
Find out more at www.theshiftnow.com backslash store. Detoxify your body, decolonize your mind, make the shift. Um, very, very interesting. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I know you've got somewhere to be, so uh, I will Oh, go there's ahead. always something else going on. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up for now. Um, I'd definitely love to continue this conversation some other time, though, because this information is, is really important to try to get people to to comprehend the fact that maybe something different is going on uh, besides what they're getting uh, on their TV or, or uh, through the mainstream uh, or on social media and, and academia. Yeah. <laughs> Which bears no resemblance to any reality happening right now, but you know, right. if, maybe, if it makes people happy, then that's fine. I mean, you know, uh, I'm not one to judge anybody. So I've seen people uh, uh, awaken themselves who are highly skeptical and very dangerous people, some of them, and they become completely different. They become yeah. an asset to humanity. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think everybody should follow their heart and not, you know, not offend anybody, but just follow your own path. And I think these things are a way to follow that doctrine, which we've had for thousands of years, but we've just forgotten about it. You know, we think that we're so wonderful in the Western world with all our technology, but you know what? I've traveled to places on the opposite side of the world in the Pacific where they barely have a light bulb and they know more about anything than I do. And it's always fun to listen right. to them. And it goes back to the most simplest, basic parameters about, you know, love one another, be, uh, love the environment, uh, respect yourself and respect others. It's not really that difficult. And that's how you progress as souls, as human beings. And there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to that. It's the same story. I'm just repeating it again with technology. Right. Well, do you want to let people know? Maybe you could let them know about the new book a little bit as well and uh, let them know where they can find out more about you. Ooh. I can't really. Uh, I can tell you that the, the current one, uh, which is The Missing Lands, uh-huh. it actually features a section on crop circles, and I had no idea it was going to go there. It's really to do with the gods of the flood. There was a parallel civilization here on Earth uh, 11,000 years ago very real, very human-like, but not quite human, which is the description that indigenous people say. And I suddenly realized I was actually holding on to a very valuable piece of information in the crop circle world, which actually had us flustered for a long, long time. So back in 1996, if uh, Amnesia Lane will serve me, mm-hmm. um, there was a crop circle in England, beautiful thing, the real thing, and it showed the inner solar system. And the orbits were correct to 99.9%. And it was validated by mathematicians. It had Euclidean theorems, except the Earth was missing. And it drove us nuts. So one group of people said, the Earth is going to be destroyed. There's no more Earth. We've been giving a warning. I thought, okay, that's one way of looking at it. But then we also had Gerald Hawkins, the mathematician, saying, actually, if you take the positioning of the planets in the crop circle, we can actually get dates when the planets align in the sky. And the first date he had in the 20th century was the exact date when the Wright brothers discovered aviation in North Carolina. Wow. And then he calculated, look at the number of little crop circles around the main crop circle. There's like 67 of them. Maybe those are the years. So he added 67 to the first date, and he gets the date of the Mariner probe to Mars, Hmm. another milestone in aviation. And he says, if you take that to the next stage, 67 years later, well, uh, to 2036, I think it was. Um, I'm having to retreat, uh, sort of really go into the, the memory cache here. Yeah. Uh, and he said, maybe there's going to be another milestone in aviation, but why is the Earth missing? Well, I actually worked it out. Um, in, in The Missing Lands, my current book, uh, 
And it just hit me all of a sudden because I was looking at uh, the Earth's near collapse from meteorite strikes over the last 11,000 years. We've had quite a few close calls, and Robert Schock has actually uh, written uh, books about this stuff and the plasma uh, uh, plasma outbursts from the sun, which overlap the meteors, and we've nearly lost civilization. And I suddenly realized, my God, I've got some dates here which NASA has been working on because they're fascinated crop circles, and they won't tell you this in public, but they like them because they're using the same exotic angles that are encoded in the crop circles too. And they're saying, we've done some very interesting things with the exotic angles in your book. Of course, we can't tell you. We'd have to kill you. Uh, They're ever so nice, by the way. (laughs) But there's mathematicians which have also calculated, along with astronomers, that there are large chunks of a broken up planet, which we interact with every November, called the Torrid Meteor Shower. And the dates that they have given for potentially devastating scenarios here on Earth, where large chunks of that uh, meteor shower just happen to be in the way of the Earth, or the other way around, happen to be in the same time period as that crop circle and that date in that crop oh. circle. And we and I went back to the channel material. I said, "Have I missed something here?" And they did say, "We're also giving you a warning." And I thought, "Oh, so they're saying again to be." You know, luck favored prepared here. So the more you know, and the more you know about consciousness, the more you can change the world around you. And I'm suddenly putting this together uh, without giving too much of the book away because I don't, I don't want to ruin the ending. You know, the experiments at Princeton with consciousness moving a computerized drumbeat, the projections of near-Earth scenarios and the crop circles are all coming together to show that we can alter the outcome of things. And I'll leave you with that. Hmm. Sounds like the one I'm currently working on. It's a bit of a secret. Okay. It should be out in November. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Fair enough. And uh, invisibletemples.com is the website. Invisibletemple.com. Don't support Jeff Bezos, please. He's already spent <laughs> millions going into space with your money. Right. I need your money. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. You deserve it. Okay. Thanks, Freddie. And uh, Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Yep. I'll just let people know this has been the 92nd episode of The Shift, and I've been your host, Doug McKenty. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, and uh, you can check out all my stuff at www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, I'm also, my personal Facebook page seems to be the place to go uh, for a good conversation about all of this. Um, looking for an alternative to Facebook, frankly, but it seems to be where the action's happening. So just look at Doug McKenty on Facebook. And uh, I think I'm doing more and more promoting my Rockfin channel again to get away from YouTube and the rest of it. So you can look at the shift now on Rockfin and you can find all of my video material there. So um, thanks everybody for listening. And thanks again, Freddie. Thanks for coming on the Thank show. Thank you. Hey, good tasting guitars, by the way. Thanks. I've got the same one. Oh, right on. (laughs) In black. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have my conversation with Freddie Silva. I was really happy to get in touch with Freddie. Uh, I've been interested in doing an episode about crop circles for a long time. Maybe some of you who've been listening to a lot of the shift episodes know that I have a... uh, uh, a little guilty pleasure watching ancient aliens. And uh, I've been wanting to expand the podcast a little bit to have some of these uh, other concepts, these alternative history concepts on and the crop circle uh, concept. I think I, I kind of fit into all of that, that larger theory. Um, it's always been interesting to me. I, you know, I heard about crop circles probably back in the 90s 
from the anti-hoaxer propaganda that a lot of people still have stuck in their head. It's just amazing. And, and Freddie and I talk about that a bit uh, and how that was uh, put forth. Um, and it's convinced a lot of people. It was spread all over the world that these things were just made by hoaxers and, and that's it. And it has stuck. And a lot of people really believe that. Um, it's probably been about almost 10 years ago now or so that I thought, what the heck, I'm going to look into this a little bit. And lo and behold, I found uh, some of the peer-reviewed studies that Freddie discusses in his book about um, how the, you know, the, the apparent microwave technology that's used to bend the, the stalks uh, of the crops. Uh, and the peer-reviewed literature was like, we have no idea, you know, how, what kind of technology could be used to uh, amplify uh, and pinpoint to to this extreme, this kind of microwave energy, and I thought, God, there's something to this. You really can't explain how they're created. So uh, I finally decided that I've been doing so many political uh, political shows, especially considering the events of the last year, that it was time to just kind of do a show, an episode about expanding our mind. Uh, maybe if some of you uh, have been convinced by the hoax or propaganda, then then this gave you some food for thought to hear uh, Freddie's perspective from his years of experience actually checking out these sites. Um, the other thing about it that I find really interesting is uh, is the uh, interpretation of the designs themselves, and I was glad that Freddie and I were able to delve into this quite a bit. Um, but they seem not only in some of the circles is the math and the science uh, superior to what you know Western science has come up with so far uh, and mathematics in terms of the interpretations in the designs um, the mathematics uh, in the designs just uh, just really express ideas that haven't been fully fleshed out as far as uh, m most people know in in the entire human race so that kind of raises questions as to who could have put these together but the other interesting thing about it, I think, is that it, it really blends the messages that come through aren't just about uh, Western thought, mathematics, and science, but then there's this real combination between those concepts and concepts that we see about the internal energy system from Eastern philosophy, from Hinduism, from Taoism, uh, as well as symbolism from indigenous thought. So the worldview that's put forth by these crop circles isn't just math and science as a, as a Westerner might perceive them, but really this much bigger picture about a holistic uh, kind of lifestyle, a spiritual lifestyle, where the scientific information isn't just materialistic, but also includes a lot of these energetic philosophies. And that makes a lot of sense to me, uh, because I don't think these cultures, Hinduism, traditional Chinese culture, indigenous cultures, tens of thousands of years old, uh, would have... Uh, would have created these systems, uh, would have understood, you know, the energy body, uh, would have continued with all of this if they had just made it up, as as the materialists would have us believe. Um, so, uh, I think whoever's putting together these crop circles and putting them out there, I mean, there is a message uh, maybe we should all listen to, and that is about expanding beyond just the materialistic outlook, but, um, but really coming to understand that uh, life is made of energy and this energy could could be called consciousness uh, and that the and that understanding life not just from this materialistic perspective but from this energetic perspective really shifts our paradigm uh, and and then allows us to move forward in a good way uh, rather than what seems to be happening right now where the materialists uh, are taking over and life is becoming more and more robotic 
uh, and less and less organic. So really happy to have Freddie on the show uh, to talk about all of this. I hope it got a lot of you thinking at least. I'm not saying you got to believe that the aliens make the crop circles, but I think uh, there's a question as to who could have made these things, right? Uh, and that was pretty detailed in this conversation. I highly recommend the book, Secrets in the Fields. If you want to dive a little bit deeper, if you have some questions uh, still, or if you're curious about um, what's going on with, these crop, with this crop circle phenomenon. It was interesting that Freddie thought that after 2003, uh, a lot of them have been hoaxes. He thinks that the original creators kind of uh, made their message and by and large have left, although he did say a few uh, he thinks are still authentic. But uh, that is his opinion, which I thought was interesting because I think a lot of the crop circles, at least from my layman's perspective, that are being produced uh, even probably as we speak, uh, they seem pretty authentic to me, but Freddie, Freddie feels like, uh, the creators have kind of given us their message, uh, it's definitely worth a look to see what that message is. Again, that book, uh, uh circles in the fields. <laughs> and I want, uh, I just want to go ahead and give everybody, uh, Freddie's, uh, information. He's got a lot of other books out there. He's delved into uh, a number of different topics in terms of alternative history. Uh, kind of again on the I don't know if he'd appreciate being equated with the ancient aliens thing, but but uh, the alternative history is discussing the pyramids, things like that. He's got a number of of uh, more recent works out there, and I'm hoping that I'll have him back uh, to discuss some of this uh, at some time in the future. I really do enjoy these shows, and it gets away from some of the darkness of uh, of kind of reporting on what's been happening again for the last year and a half, getting into the politics and the economics of the situation. So uh, we'll have him back on. But you can check out all of his work at www.invisibletemple.com. Uh, and then you can see his other books there, and you can get a little bit, take a little bit of a deeper dive into uh, Secrets in the Fields. Um, all right, everybody. Well, as usual, uh, you can check out my website, www.theshiftnow.com. Please... Uh, sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already and consider subscribing to the show. Uh, it's the members that uh, allow me to keep doing this. Uh, so uh, if you like what you're hearing, please think about it. Uh, it's only six bucks a month and uh, you get access to the long form episodes plus uh, Facebook group for members. Um, so again, that website is www.theshiftnow.com uh, and you can also check me out on Facebook. Uh, my Odyssey channel is really where I'm sending people YouTube, of course, getting a little more sketchy, or rockfin.com uh, for all the videos. And you can also find the podcast on SoundCloud or on your favorite podcast hosting site. All right, thanks for checking this one out, everybody. And uh, I'll have my next one coming out, hopefully, actually really soon in the next couple of days uh, with Charles Hunt of Waking Times. So that'll be a really interesting conversation. Hope you look forward to that. All right, have a great one, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>